This is the best, most fun I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit. I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently, and we get to know them in a different way. And that we don't know how much time we all have. Mm-hmm. And so when we live in gratitude, when we live in uh, amplifying the good mm-hmm. so that we can silence what sometimes is not as good. So many people are focused on the things that are going wrong and not the things that are going right. Today's guest is the one and only John Broman. John is the founder of the Front Row Foundation, which he started in 2005 to help create life-changing moments for people in need. He's also a top speaker and coach and the author of the best-selling book, The Front Row Factor. And this book is firmly locked in my top 10. John and I speak the same language. We believe in the power of moments and putting people first. John is someone who makes this happen daily. I absolutely love how John identifies himself as a husband and a father of two boys. He truly lives his brand, and I'm beyond pumped to have you on the show, my friend. Well, thanks for having me, buddy. This is going to be fun. Well, I want to give a little context into the Front Row Foundation. If we call this second beat, start me up. So can you give us a little of the origin story of how the Front Row Foundation started? Yeah, man. So Front Row Foundation began back in 2005. And really, the simple part of the story is it was just a group of friends who wanted to do good, you know, just do something to help another person. And so I think when whenever people start looking at how they want to help in the world, and I'm just going to categorize myself like so many others, I think you look at what's important to you, what matters to you, what problem do you want to solve, or what talent or skill might you have that you can utilize to support people. And you know, through some uh, some reflection and conversation in our community, we realized that our group of friends was particularly interested in the you know making experiences in our lives that we would cherish forever. Uh, we tried to do it ourselves. We loved going to concerts. We loved going to events. We loved creating epic experiences that we could celebrate for years to come. And so, it's because we had that as part of our DNA already, we thought, well, who could we help with that skill? And then we thought about uh, you know how precious life was and how we were all very committed to making the most of our time, regardless of how much we had. We were all aware that the ride could end at any moment, that we were in control of some things. You could wear your seatbelt and eat healthy foods and exercise. But you know, if your time is up, your time is up. And um, you know, we wanted to pay special attention to those people who might be facing a life-threatening illness. And so uh, to help them to, to make the most of the time, no matter how much they have. And the minute we hit that, uh, you know, we were off to the races and we just started raising money and creating these events. And it's been an awesome 12-year journey, a couple million dollars raised and families' lives impacted and, and really built a friendship. You know, in fact, moments before this call, before our interview, I was on the line with our staff. Um, we're having a, an event next week, 100 people coming together in Cleveland to both talk about how we live life in the front row for ourselves and our families, uh, how we can be moment makers in every day uh, in, in every day of our lives, and then also how do what how do we shape the future of the front row foundation? How do we as a community build together? And man, that's so fun to see. You know, it was so fun to see one of our founding members, one of my best friends, say on the call, he's like, "Hey, many of us have been friends for 20 years. Um, many of us here have 
we're, we're around the table when we started Front Row Foundation 12 years ago, and yet we're still building with friends. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the great joy of life is not just building something, you know, big or you know, big company, sell for a lot of money or impact a lot of people, but you do it with people you love. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, a, that's a special ingredient that I think is really cool and we cherish it here. You know, saying, you know, here at Fans First, our company, I, I ask people always, you know, why are you working here? And you have to keep digging. But the answer to it is it's the people. You know, it's not necessarily that we're selling out crowds and, you know, we're creating these fans first moments, kind of similar to what you say with front row moments, but it's just the people they surround themselves. So again, maybe it's some way of looking at this deeper, John, and instead of looking at always, hey, what's your big purpose or what's your problem solving, but who do you want to be around and start there? Yeah. Yeah. We call that who's in your front row. You know, this is a, this is, you know, the metaphor of being in the front row for us, for our team is about getting close to the people, places or passions that make you come alive. And there's something as you know, better than anybody, right about a front row experience. We also know that you can live a life where regardless of the seat you get, you can always choose to make it a front row experience. Because sometimes you don't end up front row. I mean, sometimes it's just not the seat you're going to get. And that doesn't mean that you have to have a terrible time. It's just you can bring that mentality to every situation that you're in. And um, but if but if you play out that that idea of being in the front row, it's like you, you imagine your life is like you're on stage, and everybody you met is like the crowd. Everybody that's in your life, everybody that will play some role in your life is the crowd. They're they're a witness to your life. And we have to be really careful about who we choose to put in our front row. Are we putting the people there that will really uh, lift us up? And then vice versa is whose front row are you in? You know, not just who's there lifting you up, but you know, who do you step up for? Who do you show up for? And who do you cheer on or elevate um, through your words and your actions? I love that. And you know, it's, it's so simple. And I think that's one of the big keys. And you know, I always say uh, the, the great quote, if you can make things simple, you can move mountains by Steve Jobs. And I think that's been so helpful for us simplifying fans first, but you've simplified yeah. the front row. And how did that come? Because, John, I mean, I want to go a little with businesses. I think it's a challenge to simplify things. But the front row, I mean, how many times do you say that in a given day? It must just be repeated over and over again and simplified so people understand it. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting about messaging. And I think anybody out there who, who owns a business or deals with complicated things in general will appreciate that messaging refines itself over time. You know, even... 10 years into the charity is when we wrote the book, The Front Row Factor. And it was the, you know, that the idea of it was what can you learn about living life from people who are fighting for it? And I remember interviewing and thinking and planning and meditating on all the ideas and, um, you know, going with back and forth with the editors. And even 10 years into doing this, we were simplifying our message. We were finding out how to articulate it in a way that people would get it. I remember the first time I told somebody about what we did, <laughs> they just looked at me with this, you know, glazed look in their eyes, like, I don't get it. And I feel like that's part of our mission is to communicate in a way that people resonate. I mean, even my wife and I, we deal with that. I deal with that with my children. It's, I have an idea in my mind of trying to convey that to another person or understand their ideas is about making it simple. That's why we learn through stories, right? And sometimes stories can simplify things. Uh, for us, we can extract the meaning that that uh, you know is revealed to us through the story. But but honestly, for us, it's been a lot of how we've been able to simplify it is one by asking that question: How do we make this easy to talk about? Um, what is our what is a primary story of a recipient that articulates best what we do? And I've always been impressed by people that do that. You know, a couple of years ago, we were on the Today Show and 
they came in and they did all these interviews and they asked a lot of questions. And then they put together this beautiful three-minute segment on the Front Row Foundation. And I thought to myself, I was like, oh my God, they came in and like, <laughs> they, they're brand new to what we do. And they, I think they captured it better than we ever have. Yeah. And that's the art of somebody being able to to really extract the essence of something and then tell the story. It's yeah. a beautiful thing when somebody can do it well. You know, it's great. It reminded me, you know, last year we were fortunate MSNBC came down here and did a three-day feature on the team. And I kept talking about this circus type atmosphere. And she got interviewed by the local media, the producer of MSNBC's Your Business Show. And she said, it's like a circus and a base game breaks out. And I was like, that is exactly the language we use. But when you say it over and over again, you know, they start utilizing it. And I think that's brilliant. You know, Jeff Rosenblum in the great book. I don't Have you read the book Fiction, John? Uh, no. Great book about passion brands. And he said, whoever ever said most in the least amount of words wins. And I was like, yeah. you know, that's, that's a brilliant concept. And he shared how Yeti's been able to do that and some other great enduring brands. But, you know, I think you gave a great segue there into what one story really shares kind of the front row factor. You know, what's the one that you share a lot? Obviously, in the book, you have numerous great examples, but one that really can put in context what you guys are doing. Yeah, well, it's my favorite story to tell. So I, and I'll tell you in just a second. But before we do, I have to I mentioned that based on your idea of saying it as few words as possible, um, it's it's ironic that you say that because when we hang up the phone here, uh, I'm going to go have lunch with my friend Clay Hebert, who has a, an amazing talk online that you should check out called The Six-Word Intro. And he actually talks about how to tell people what you do in as few words as possible so that they understand it. Because I think people have a really hard time explaining what they do. Uh, so that's an invaluable resource that everybody should check out. Just type in Clay Hebert um, and then uh, six word intro Ooh. and you'll, you'll check that out. What would, what would be your six words? Uh, well, here's the thing. I don't know that I have it to six, uh, but we play with it. And what he'll teach you in the video is that you actually sculpt those six words based on the crowd that you're with, which is what I tend to do. Um, so if I'm with a group of dads, I might say, I help men become better fathers, husbands, and family men, right? Uh, that's, a, that's a short introduction that I would say who I help, right? And, uh, and what I'm doing for them. So what group of people I help men or I help fathers become better husbands, fathers, family men, something like that. If, if I'm talking with a group of people and, you know, I, and, and I, by the way, I only talk about one thing that I do. You know, I, I made that mistake a long time ago. People were like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, it's complicated. You know, I have this charity that I do and I'm not doing that. I'm giving keynote speeches and then I've got the front row dads. And, you know, and eventually, you know, in some ways people, when you do that, they say, oh, well, then you do nothing really because you can't be an expert in everything. Yeah. And it gets confusing. And then you, people can't really identify with what you do and or connect with your business or tell other people about you. So I try to give one thing. Sometimes I say I help people live life in the front row. Sometimes I say I help, you know, I help uh, uh, people in need make dreams come true. And so it depends on who I'm with, how I'm feeling, or what would really serve the person I'm talking to, right? Um, that's oftentimes how I answer. Well, I think that's yeah. a, a great challenge for everyone to get down to the six words. And I, and I love whatever you said, whatever your audience you're talking to, to usually begin with help people. And I think what that's so powerful because the people you're talking, oh, I know, know someone use help, or, or I could, could use, help, or they can share with someone they know, and I think that help people is key. So I'm definitely going to work on that, John. And, and not getting away from the story, but I think this was a great tangent and, and important for everyone to do to apply. 
Yeah, 100%. So the story, uh, the story that I tell, and here's what's interesting. The parlay from the six-word intro is if I say I help people live life in the front row, then the next question is, that's interesting. What does that mean? And you say, well, let me tell you a story. And the story that I tell is the one of uh, Sophie. So Sophie is this uh, little girl, four years old, who is a Kelly Clarkson fan. She lives outside of Philadelphia and her mom, Lauren, is friends with one of my friends. And at the time you know, that I was getting introduced to Sophie, uh, she and her mom were, were just being brought onto my radar, uh, learning about their struggle and their situation. Sophie was battling a brain tumor and she was in and out of the hospital repeatedly. And the minute that we heard about her, we knew that we had to do something for Sophie and her family. And when we got to know them, we realized just how much of a Kelly Clarkson fan she really was. She would actually cry when uh, she was in a car and her mom wouldn't play Kelly Clarkson on the radio. She would cry until her mom would play the music. And we were just so caught by, by Sophie's beautiful heart, you know, and uh, the struggle that she was facing. So our team got to work. And one, one of our buddies, uh, which, which is great. This is actually the perfect story. I didn't see this, uh, this <laughs> connection until just now. Because you and I talking about how one of your previous guests, John Ruin, mm-hmm. who wrote a book called Giftology, uh, and a very, very good friend of mine, long-term friend, one of the best guys I know, he, uh, I reached out to him. This is, this is 10 years ago, 11 years ago. I reached out to him and said, Johnny, do you have any connections to help us uh, to maybe make something special happen for Sophie at this Kelly Clarkson concert that we want to send her to. And John says, hang tight, let me reach out. He called one of his buddies, uh, a guy named Paul out of Chicago. And he said, he told Paul the story. And Paul said, I could definitely help. Now, Paul is very connected in the music industry. And so next thing you know, we've got a meet and greet with Kelly Clarkson. Mm. Now, the way the story goes is that on this, this, you know, this day where we pick up Sophie at her home in a limousine, uh, red carpet, you know, whole, you know, we treat every recipient first class. She walks out wearing this beautiful purple dress, smiling ear to ear, jumps in the limousine uh, with her family. Uh, we're toasting with, you know, sparkling cider and, you know, all of her favorite things. You know, we're, we're showering her with gifts and love and, and just joy. And it was really needed at that time. She was really struggling, you know, bad migraine headaches because of the medications and the treatments and the surgeries that she had been through. Uh, we took her to the Rainforest Cafe for dinner where if you've ever been, that place comes to life, the animals, the thunderstorms, it's pretty awesome. And then off to the concert where when she walked in, Kelly had already known that Sophie was going to be coming. So she kind of pointed her out and that was already a magic moment. And at the end of the concert, which was fantastic and Sophie enjoyed every minute. She had fallen asleep just thinking that it was all over. But we had that extra surprise where she, you know, got a chance to go backstage and she met Kelly Clarkson. And that doesn't happen, I should mention, for all of our recipients. But, you know, but when possible, uh, these, these stars will oftentimes help us. And it's really wonderful when they do. But uh, she meets Kelly and we have this picture where Sophie and Kelly lock eyes Mm-hmm. And uh, for the first time, and Sophie's got this huge smile, and it's the most bright, uplifting, mm-hmm. beautiful photograph uh, that hangs right now uh, next to my desk. In fact, John Rulin, not only was he a moment maker for Sophie, but after the event, he took the pictures and he framed it, uh, and he engraved on it, you know, that was Sophie's experience, because he knew how, how moved I was by this. And he, he sent it to me, and it hangs on my wall. 
And whenever I look at that, I'm reminded of uh, not only how precious life is, uh, but how precious the people are that we get a chance to serve. Mm. To, to this day, I am uh, I'm great friends with Sosio's mom, Lauren. We talk regularly. And in fact, in five days from when we record this, uh, uh, Lauren, uh, Sophie's mom, is coming to our event in Ohio, our Front Row Family Summit. Summit. And uh, to me, that's one of the most beautiful things is the relationships and the friendships that are formed along the way. And I will tell you that the sad part of the story, uh, which you may be gathering through my comments, is that eight weeks after the event, uh, Sophie took her final breaths. And we were, of course, all absolutely crushed by this. But there was one other piece that, man, really um, solidified my commitment to our cause forever. And that that is that uh, we were, uh, one of my best friends, John Berghoff, who is the the guy I referenced earlier, Mm -hmm. who is the the man who was mentioning we've been doing this, we've been friends for 20 years. He and his wife, Mara, um, they were the recipient hosts. So they were the ones that took Sophie in the limousine. They're the ones that that made her day special. They were, they were there on site and they, they ended up going to the funeral. And I think that says a lot about who they are, by the way, that wasn't something we asked them to do, but they chose to do that to show up for the family. And John, John said to me, he said, he said, Jack, he said, he said to me, he said, you wouldn't believe this, but, and he says, I walked up to the casket and I saw Sophie laying there in this beautiful white, white dress. And he says, I was, uh, I was taken back when I saw on, on her chest, her mom um, had laid her Kelly Clarkson our VIP badge. Mm. They decided to bury with with Sophie. And boy, I have gotten, gotten <laughs> I've shed uh, more than a couple of tears. Um, and also with those tears came a tremendous amount of commitment and purpose and joy, uh, knowing that when Lauren would look at me, uh, over the years and say, John, I can't thank you enough for doing that. You, you provided one of the best days of my daughter's life. Uh, the fact that you continue to celebrate her life with the charity, the fact that you made our family part of your family, it just means the world to us. And so, um, you know, I think it's a story that represents what we're hoping to do on all these experiences is that we're trying to be what we call in our community. We're trying to be moment makers. We're trying to, to turn any situation uh, into something more meaningful, right? We, we say that we, we bring meaning to moments, right? We turn, we try, we say that we turn now into wow. Uh, and that we don't know how much time we all have. Mm. And so we live in gratitude when we live in, uh, amplifying the good Mm. so that we can silence what sometimes is not as good. Mm. You know, we can give people that relief for the day, uh, and provide a, a amount of joy uh, you know, we recognize that, that the power of an event like that is, is there's three parts to it. There's all the hope of what happens when you lead up to it, all the anticipation and the excitement really begins the minute you find out you're going on all the joy of the day. And there's the day, of course, living in the moment, being there that most people can, re- of course, resonate and connect with what that's like to be caught up in the experience. And that's so joyful. But then we underestimated the power of celebrating that day. You know, and how much people could look back on that and pull energy from that experience and bring it into their present moment. See, that's the cool thing about hope and celebration is that life's a little bit like a pendulum. You know, it's like we're we're looking into the future and we're grabbing a hold of this hope. 
And then we're looking in the past and we're grabbing a hold of some gratitude and appreciation of what just went, what happened, either moments ago or, or eons ago. And then we're kind of bringing that power of the future and the past into the present moment so that we can do something about it. So it's not, not about avoiding reality. It's actually using the power of the future possibilities and bringing it in and out and using the power of past celebrations and bringing it in and out so that we can experience more of life today. Mm. Uh, but it's consciously creating, experiencing, and celebrating the meaningful moments of life. And that's what it's all about. In fact, that's my, let me leave with that, but let me echo that one more time because I think that's it. That, that is the one sentence that guides our charity. And I think that's one that everybody listening today can pull away. Write it on your wall, write it on your bathroom mirror with a dry erase marker or with lipstick or something. And write, how can I consciously create, experience, and celebrate the meaningful moments of life? And that's, and that's a, a great, great guiding, guiding question, question for us because that, that covers the future, the past, and the present. Wow, that's awesome. And, you know, and going back to that story, John, you know, what I love is that the story, her impact actually lives on. And, you know, when you, every time you tell that story, people are going there, they're picturing it, and they're saying, we can do that. And I don't know how that doesn't galvanize. And I think that's, you know, what you made the point is, is everybody, whatever you're doing, and you've said this before, you know, how will you be a moment maker today? You know, how can you create something? How can you create that wow moments? And, uh, you know, you call them front row moments. We call them fans first moments. And, you know, I'd be remiss if I don't share a short story, how it kind of fits into this, because I think people need to see there's examples and you don't need to do these moments for everyone. You made the point, not everyone has had this Kelly Clarkson experience, but when you hear an opportunity to jump on that, to create something, because it lives on and it makes an impact more than just that one person. Yeah. And, and so I'll, I'll share a quick one with you if you want to hear fans first. Oh, of course I want to hear. Uh, so we had a lot our first year, but one happened about halfway through the season. And again, unfortunately, it was a sad story, but turned into something more. So a family bought eight tickets and they were all excited. You know, we, we were it was a sold out game. It was, it was a night at the stadium and we couldn't get in touch. You know, the woman who bought the ticket, we kept trying and trying and trying. And finally, one of our interns got in touch and found out that the woman who bought the tickets had just tragically passed away. And she had bought set eight tickets, seven of those tickets for her kids. She had set seven kids. And so the husband said, hey, we're not going to be able to come. You know, it was a tragedy. You know, here's what and he, and our intern said. We'd like to find a way to take care of you and make it a special experience. And he said, all right, you know, I think that might be good for the kids to get out of the house. So when the kids got here, seven kids and the husband, we set them up on the front row, the top seats. And this intern came to me and said, Jesse, can we do something special? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, what do you have in mind? I said, well, let's think of something. And so he ended up getting a framed jersey, a special jersey with the mother's name on the back, with the amount of years that they were married um, with the husband. And he presented the jersey to her. The kids were on the front row. And right before the game started, all of the players came up and presented signed baseball, signed bats, and just hung out with the kids before the game. And we watched throughout the entire game. The kids were laughing. They were cheering. You know, we were pieing people in the stands and dancing. They stayed for the entire game, which is rare with younger, smaller kids. And afterwards, the husband called our intern, who's now our director of tickets, and said, that was the last gift the mother ever gave our kids. And I couldn't have imagined a better gift. Wow, and, that's great, man. And so we share these stories, and there's a lot of those that have happened. And, you know, when you continue those people say, all right, what moments can we create? And I think that's, we talk about speaking the same language. My, my, like, what I'm trying to find out, though, is 
Why do so struggle with this, John? I mean, you know, you look at it, we say, what are our fans' first moments today? We meet before the games. We meet after the games and talk about them. You know, I'd love to see, you know, do you have any like practical ways or things that you've seen? Hey, this is how you can do it. Yes. And that, that is the question. And you couldn't have teed it up any better because that's it for us. That's the next teaching point. Whenever I give a speech or whenever we're talking about this, and it's also the logical question I would imagine somebody's having is how do I do that in my own life? Because, um, you know, we, oft, we, we can't underestimate the power of the littlest moments too, right? They don't have to cost thousands of dollars yeah. and they don't have to be epic like that to be impactful, right? Um, they, they, they are epic in their own right. And so here's an example. I'm going to give you a couple of ways that people have been moment makers. And we use this, uh, I use this all the time in my speaking. Let me go super easy to start. So this happened last week. I'm going to give you a new one. One week ago, I'm in New Jersey, which is where I used to live. I now live in Austin. And I visited a, a coffee shop when I was there that I used to go all the time to this coffee shop. And I wrote the Front Row Factor book, most of it, inside this coffee shop. And I got to know the, the people who worked there. Um, I would every day I walk in and I would ask the person behind the counter, you know, what's something you're grateful for? I would get to know their names. I would talk with them. And it was never more than... 20, 30 seconds of an exchange, but I just tried to be heartfelt in my exchange. I knew that this was part of my community and I wanted to uplift their day or be interested in their day. Well, I showed up two years later, this is last week, um, and into the coffee shop and there was a gal behind the counter and I thought she looked familiar, but I, I, I couldn't quite you know, put the face to a name. And as I'm, I'm paying for my coffee, she goes, she goes, didn't you used to come in here all the time? I said, yes. I said, I thought you might have looked familiar. And she said, yeah, you were writing a book. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah. And uh, we just started laughing and talking. And then I noticed that she gave me like half off of my coffee. Mm. And then uh, she didn't even tell me. She just, I just saw it ring up that it was half off. And uh, I walked outside feeling so good uh, about that exchange because I just felt it was meaningful. Mm. It wasn't. It wasn't about the discount, or it was just about the fact that we had this. She had this smile. She had this uh, joy, and mm. I thought, oh, and I felt proud of myself. I felt mm. proud of myself of being somebody that was conscious and awake and aware. Uh, I felt proud that I that we had built this relationship together. I felt grateful for her gift to me. Yeah, uh, and it was such a great moment. And here I am talking about it on a podcast, right? Like, how cool is that? But there's so many ways and so many different uh, ways that people can make this happen. You know, uh, one way you can do it for your family. I'll give you a birthday idea. So about, oh gosh, looking back a month ago, uh, it's my birthday. I get a couple of my friends together. At this, uh, at this little lake here in Austin for just hanging out, swimming, you know, you know, just relaxing, talking. And I'm sitting there on the blanket, and my wife is there, my closest friends, and this guy walks over. It's a public place, of course, and this guy walks over, and he's carrying a guitar, and I look at my wife, I go, babe, we're about to get serenaded. How cool is this? And she goes, yeah, that's really cool. And the guy starts playing a song, and my brain starts to go, I know this song why do I know this song? What song is this? And then it hits me. Oh my God, this is like one of my favorite songs. But if I had a band named Pink Martini that nobody would know. <laughs> and I, I, my brain was so confused because you'd never hear somebody playing it. 
a stranger, especially at this location. And, I, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is Pink Martini. And I look at my wife and she is just grinning ear to ear. And I'm, she, and I'm like, oh my God, it hits me. She hired this guy <laughs> to come play this song at my birthday. And then he sits down and proceeds to play a dozen of my favorite songs. So he gave him a hit list of my favorite songs. And he sat there and he played for all of our friends. It was incredible. And I thought, there's moment making, right? No, it didn't cost a ton of money to do that. It was actually a guy that she knew and he worked out an amazing deal. And, but here it was, like, what an extremely thoughtful gift, right? Amazing. That's a moat. Uh, hey, and then, and then, there, and then there's other ones like hotels. Like you can apply this to a business. So there's a famous story from years ago. You probably know this one, um, but for those who are listening who might not, this is a story about a family who visited a Ritz Carlton, right? And they left uh, this little boy who was on vacation with his mom and dad left his stuffed animal at the resort. And the dad, kind of in a in a moment of like, oh, I got to make this okay, he said to his son, he goes, "Don't worry, Joshy, your pet giraffe." <laughs> is having a little vacation at the resort. He'll be home soon. So he calls the resort, says, hey, did you guys find the, the stuffed animal? They say yes. He says, listen, will you do me a favor? We just take a quick picture of Joshy like lounging by the pool and maybe like yeah. send it to me so that I can show my son he's having a good time and collab, you know, uh, corroborate my story. <laughs> and he says, yeah. But then the Ritz-Carlton took it to another level. Hmm. They took Joshi all around the resort. They took jo pictures of Joshi in the security room. They made Joshi his own badge. They put him in the golf cart. They had him dining in the mess. Like they had all these pictures of Joshi. They sent him home with a photo out showing Joshi's vacation at the resort. And the family was just blown away. The story went viral. But there's a, there's a hotel who went above and beyond to create a moment for this family. And, you know, that's a, that's a positive thing on almost every level. And I think that there's various ways that we can be moment makers in our lives, for our businesses and in our personal lives. And we just have to get creative. We just have to be kind. It could be just simply asking somebody, you know, when you're, when you're ordering food, right? Next time you're, you're ordering your coffee, just say to the person, what are you grateful for? Yeah. And you're a moment maker because when you ask that question, they can't help but think about something they're grateful for. And you shift their thinking, you shift their energy. You help bring uh, attention and focus to an area of their life that might bring joy to them. And you can do that in simple ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a great challenge for the listeners to try to think of how can they do this? Either simple ways, it doesn't have to be crazy. I mean, at our ballpark, John, we do a few things that are crazy. For instance, uh, it was an older woman's birthday. So we, had, we have our players every night deliver roses to little girls in the crowd. But we had one of our players put on a full tuxedo and actually deliver a bouquet of roses. And then we had a table set up right next to the dugout um, with a private dinner. And we had the player go on a date in the middle of the game with this older woman for her birthday. And she was just like so excited she couldn't eat her food. So she offered to our player who ate her entire meal during this date. We had music come over and serenade them. She was, was so happy. She ended, she ended up auctioning off to buy his jersey. And now they keep it in touch every week as, as a ship. <laughs> this player that went on this joke date in the games. And again, again, it's not just the moment for them. People are watching this actually happen during the games. And, you know, we have fun with it. Obviously, that's, that's our whole thing is trying to make baseball fun. But there's so many examples. You know, I was thinking of a restaurant today. And you have a family with a couple kids. And at the end, you say, hey, would you guys like to have dessert tonight? And then the kids say, yeah, would you like to make it? And you actually bring the two kids back to a spot in the kitchen that's safe. 
and have them make their own dessert in the kitchen. You know, little things like that, that they'll never forget the time they made dessert at that restaurant. And, you know, I think every business has this opportunity. You just need to think outside the box a little bit. Yeah, that's so true. Oh, I love it. All right, let's go to a quick, a few fun things right here. Um, actually, we're going to go into our first game, if you're mentally prepared, John. Oh, I'm ready. Let's All right, this. it is truth and dare. Just do it! Which, okay. which one do you like first? Oh, man. All right, uh, go truth. Okay, truth. So I want to know what's holding you back right now from living this front row, front row life? Oh, that's a good question. I could I could give you a list, a laundry list of things that are holding me back right now. I'm I'm hyper aware of some of my limitations. Um, one of them I think is uh, is getting caught up with failure, getting caught up with what's not going well. Constantly battle that. Um, you know, I'm a work in progress, like like so many people, just uh, directing my attention, directing my focus. Right. Um, I think health is another one that might be standing in my way. I'm, by, by somebody would look, look at me and say, you look like a pretty healthy guy, John. <laughs> and arguably, or compared to, to what is tragedy, <laughs> yeah, I may be. But I'm not in an optimal health right now. And I think there's an old saying, when you have your health, you have a thousand dreams. But when you don't, you have but one. And one thing I need to make sure that I'm doing along the way is as passionate as I am, as hard as I want to work, as many things as I want to do, that I take the time out. To get, to get some exercise and to, to cook the healthy food and to make sure that I put my health as a priority. Because without this body and without all the things that are connected to that, um, I, I'm not able to do much to serve the world. 100%. And I love how you open up caught up in failure. I think so many people are focused on the things that are going wrong and not the things that are going right. We actually, in our whole company, we don't call it failure. We call it discovery. What did we discover right. today? I, you know, I love that. All right. Going from a serious truth where we got deep there. Now, are you ready for your dare? Yes. Okay. This is something, don't worry, we've had your buddies on the show singing as well. So it is a sing-off that we do at our stadium. We involve the whole grandstand versus the metal bleachers, 2,000 fans versus 2,000 fans. And when the song finishes, they have stop stocks. They have to finish those lyrics. So you're going to have to finish <laughs> this, this song lyrics. So you're by your, you're by your, you don't have 2,000 friends with you, but I trust in you. In you. And, and the song kind of fits the whole front row idea if you're ready. All right, ready. Let's go. All right, here we go. Oh, I forgot the words. This is the time of my life? Yeah, close. I've had the time of my oh, yeah. life. I've had the time of my life. Yes, that's right. I was like, wait a minute. I haven't heard this song in a long time. <laughs> All right, what movie is it from? I need my, um, oh my God, Patrick Swayze. Yes. The... The dancing movie. What is it? Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing. All right. God, you, you got half of that. So you you failed. You 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 discovered that you need to go back and watch Dirty Dancing again and understand. My wife would be very happy with that request. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you passed Truth and Dare, John. We can back, we can move on now. But uh, that was a very strong effort. Uh, thanks. Yeah. All right. All right. Let quickly go on a few lightning rounds. Um, love to know what's the best experience that you've seen from a venue or a sports team or an artist. You mentioned the, the Kelly Clarkson, but you know, quickly, is there some venue or sports or any of experience that really stood out for you? Wow, the venue, huh? Or just someone like because um, you work with all these groups on making it happen. You know, which one yeah. really went above and beyond? We, we have, have such, such a wonderful team right now that I'm not as involved in the actual event creation. At this point, we have, we have people that are doing that uh, with us. 
And boy, they would be able to answer this wonderfully. Let me let me process this for a second. Hold on. I'm going to breathe into this one. You know, one that comes to mind uh, that just popped into my head about the epic experience of a venue that really worked with us uh, was that we had a family years ago, that got a young man named Thomas, who was about 21, and he was a rugby player and uh, became very, very ill, wanted to go to the Rugby World Cup in New Zealand. And I remember we, we sent him to this event, uh, and everybody on the Canadian rugby team was so generous with Thomas and his family. Um, they, re- like they brought him on the field. They hung out with them. They um, made sure that he was there as they entered the stadium. He's high-fiving everybody. I, I remember this experience being one that just from the epic uh, traveling to New Zealand, seeing the Rugby World Cup, um, Team Canada was playing uh, the New Zealand team that, that did the, the haka, you know? Yeah, like that. And I, I think all in all, that experience top to bottom was just spectacular. And everybody along the way uh, was was just absolutely first class. So I think that was just one that popped into my mind. There are so many different experiences because we've done Broadway where, you know, the cast from the Broadway plays have signed posters for people. Um, you know, we've done Jimmy Buffett events where he's autographed pictures for our recipients. We've had um, times where our recipients have, you know, been able to get backstage and maybe even, uh, you know, sing or play or dance or whatever with the stars. Those are always really special things. Um, you know, we've had times where uh, we've sent uh, some folks to the circus, right? Mm-hmm. And the owners of the circus have donated their personal seats to the charity. Awesome. Um, that have set gifts down, hotels that have decorated recipients' rooms. I'll tell you one. I, I knew that if I talked it out loud, I'd come <laughs> up with the Kimpton Hotels. I just want to I want to put a shout out to them because those guys have been amazing to us, the Kimpton Properties. Or the Row Hotel in New York City. Man, I love it when the whole team gets involved. Yeah. You know, the whole sales office, everybody knows the recipient. They they just go above and beyond. The Row Hotel, Kimpton Properties. And there's just so many great companies out there that have been wonderful to us and I'm beyond grateful. Mm-hmm. That's when you get buy-in from everyone. I think that's that's what's great. You, you, you made me start thinking about uh, uh, old, uh, someone who's 40 years old for us and, and he's got mental disabilities. does all the trash at the stadium and literally walks around smiling and, and fiving every single fan. He's loved more than, more than any at the stadium. So his big 40th birthday was here earlier this season. And we got the whole staff involved, our front office, uh, full-time 15 people, and 150 game day staff. And wow. we presented him with a huge birthday and everyone was singing. And then what we did is we got him a jersey and we introduced the starting lineup. We introduced him and he ran through the tunnel. We put the jersey on him and he was there at home played as we started the game. And he started crying, get tear eyes. But the players were behind it, the coaches, the staff, the announcers, everyone. And I think that's when you create something special. It's not just one person, it's the whole team. Yeah. Oh, I love that. All right, let's go a couple more lightning rounds. I love this quote from you in your book. People buy memories, not just items. I think yeah. that's brilliant. And you talk about your trip to Amsterdam. If you could briefly share with that, I think that's a great lesson for anyone in business. Yeah, that was uh, walking down the city streets with my wife and a couple of our friends and popped into this this beautiful shop and everything was pricey in here. The, there was a bracelet that I saw. I really liked it and I looked at the I looked at the price. It was like $60 for this bracelet. And it was just, I mean, it wasn't, I, I, I imagined, and I was pretty certain I could buy the same bracelet from Amazon for $5, right? 
and it, but, you know, I put aside the practical reasoning there of wanting to go buy that same bracelet from Amazon. And I said, what I'm really buying is not the bracelet, I'm buying the memory. I want every time I put this bracelet on to bring me back to this city streets, to this moment, to this celebration. Um, and that, that to me has served me over the years, even with buying artwork as an example. I like, I don't want to go to, I don't want to go to some, you know, um, you know, national chain to buy some piece of artwork to just fill space on my wall. I'd rather buy art from somebody on the street that I met that was on a trip that I was on. And whenever I look at that piece of art, I'm, I'm brought back to that moment. It doesn't have to be expensive art. It just needs to be one that anchors a memory. You know, when I was golfing with my dad one time and I was like, let's buy these shirts. And he's like, well, I have plenty of shirts. And I said, dad, yeah, we're not buying a shirt. We're buying a memory, right? The point is, I want you to wear it and think about this day. You know, I think that's such a great lesson. You know, if you look at any business and whatever you're in, do you create such amazing moments or front row moments, as you call them, that you could actually sell merchandise and sell the memories? And, you know, I think that's, you know, every single, um, I mean, we live in Tybee Island, my wife and I, and every single uh, restaurant has tons of merchandise. because people are in Tybee Island, they're at this beach restaurant, and they're buying that memory. But what if you're a heating and cooling company or a lawyer or opponent? Is it such a such an easy, fun experience, unique that people want to actually actually wear your emblem? I think you know, obviously people are wearing the front run rope. We're we're very fortunate. Fortunate. A lot of people are wearing the bananas. But I think that's a great thing that that you kind of locked into right there, right there. And I appreciate you sharing that. And we have nine tattoos right now. I mean, we only we only have two, man. You're killing us. They, uh, it's been really wild to see people, you know, have, uh, in the first time, I, I got to tell you the story. I don't know how much time we no, have, but I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll your time, yeah. a quick one. Um, you know, years ago, we created this event for a, a man named Derek and he lived in Philadelphia, which is again, where the charity started. Um, he was a big basketball fan and we sent him to go see the 76ers and our team worked really hard to make this event special. But Derek was really laid back and we, kind of in the beginning had this envisioned, you know, outcome for the event where we would create this experience and people would be like, yes, and screaming and like, oh, hugging us and being like, you changed my life. You, this is the best day ever. And, you know, really expressing their gratitude and excitement and, you know, that we would blow them away. And we were looking for that reaction, right? Because the reactions are fun to see. And this guy was super chill. And I remember going to his house afterwards and giving him his video. We played his video on his TV and we were in his living room. And he was like, here's your recap video of the event. And he was just like, man, that was awesome. Thank you, guys. And, and then, then a couple, couple days later, somebody sends me a message like, John, I think Derek's more committed to the front row than you are. <laughs> and, I, and I just responded back. I was like, I'm not sure what you're talking about. And they said, you didn't see Facebook? And I said, I said no. I said, you have to go look at Derek's page right now. And I went and I opened up his Facebook and I see a picture of Derek without his shirt on. It's his back. All the way across his back to the other side was the phrase tattooed on his back, live life in the front row. In our font. (laughs) Wow. He didn't tattoo the words. He took it directly from our website in the font. And he tattooed it on his back. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I, re- and I realized that I said, in that moment, you can't judge your impact in the world because people express themselves differently. Mm-hmm. They express their joy and their happiness. Some, sometimes somebody will be sitting in my audience and have a stone cold look on their face. Like, 
like I'm an idiot and they don't want to hear anything I'm saying. And at the end, that's the person that walks up to me and says, that's the best talk I ever heard. <laughs> oh, exactly. Exactly. That's such a good lesson. You know, funny aside on Tetter, John, the Syracuse Chiefs, a minor league team, a New York AAA team, team, a few years ago, they did a promotion. Anybody to get to get a Syracuse Chiefs tat- tattoo will get season tickets for life. And they had 38 people do it. And just last week, they announced they're no longer going to be the Syracuse Chiefs. They're rebranding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, well, you know, hey, I, the way I look at tattoos is I say, look, it, you know, people are like, are you sure you're going to feel that way 50 years from now? No, of course not. I'm not sure of that. But this is a journal. This is how I did feel. This is who I was. <laughs> So I always tell people when they have a tattoo that they're like, well, I got that when I was 18. I probably wouldn't get that again. I was like, of course, but that's who you were. Yeah. It's, to it's, deny that would be to deny your life. Yeah, that's that's tell, who you were. Tell the story of your life. All right. Before we get to the final four, just I, I got to talk about your the way you attack goals. And I was so fascinated when I heard about this, that you focus on the goals of others and help them achieve their goals. And if you do that, you know, all of your goals can be accomplished. And tell me briefly about the index cards that you have. I think is it you have eight of your closest friends. I, I was so fascinated by this, John. Yeah. Well, you know, we spoke about earlier about the who's in your front row concepts, right? And whose front row are you in? Who do you show up for? So one of the challenges that I have, and I wrote about this in the book, um, was to figure out who the eight most important people are in your life. And a lot of times we we are we are deciding who's most important by who we give our time to, right? Um, but, but it's, it's not, not always intentional or well, well thought out. So, so I challenge I, people to write down their top eight relationships and then to display that or have that somewhere where you can see it. You can revisit it because that this is likely to change over time. But every six months to a year, you revisit it. And what you should do is when you write down their names, the kicker then is to write down their top dream or goal. And some people write down their friend's one-year goal. Sometimes it's their lifetime goal or their biggest goal they have at the moment. But what would happen in our lives if we were clearly able to identify the top eight people in our life, and then we were to know their dreams and goals? And what if we regularly showed up for them, checked in with them, asked them about it, cheered them on, encouraged them towards their big dreamer goal, Mm -hmm. right? That, I think, is a, is a game-changer idea in people's lives. To remember their top eight and to be uh, aware and supportive of their top dream or goal. Like, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll bring this full circle. Our buddy Johnny Rulin, who we were talking about, he's in my top eight. And Johnny's goal is health this year. I know that. Because I, I asked him. <laughs> and then I, I text him periodically. Hey, buddy, hey, tell me, how's it going with your health? Uh, we have a dad dad group that he's part of, and I just posted it in our dad's group about a health challenge that I'm personally doing. And then I, I was like, I tagged him. Hey, buddy, what's your, what's your plan? But I'm constantly asking myself, how can I be a raving fan for him? Because here's an important, uh, what I think is an important life philosophy. All right, now this is a writer down, everybody, or 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 a remember this if you're driving your car, is that the best fans. Get the best show. The best fans get the best show. And we can never underestimate how the the fan is part of the experience. When you cheer on the band, when you show up and you're fully engaged and you're having the time of your life, ask any band 
if that matters, if they feed off the energy of the crowd, and if they don't play better or more connected because of that energy, um, it's powerful. And so if you want to get the best show in life, then you've got to be the best fan for life. Mm-hmm. That's, 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 a, that's a philosophy I think is really important. Yeah, and I love fans. Obviously, that's everything we use here, fans first. And, and what we've realized, John, is, is our biggest fans, they aren't necessarily the people that buy tickets. They're people that work here in the office. They're the yeah. people that show up and they're, and they're at the park every day, you know, whether they're picking up trash, trash or in the concession stand. And, you know, who are some of our biggest fans? We have a 30-piece piece pep band. Now, imagine that at a baseball game, a pep band walking around, around the stadium pumping jams. jams. Um, <laughs> they are so into it that at the end of every game, this is one of my favorite moments, moment, we have a stage set up in the plaza outside the stadium. The pep band plays for 30 minutes after the game, and everyone is singing and dancing. The players are out there signing autographs. No one wants to leave. But you know who are the last people to leave? They're the band because they're singing, they're dancing. They're actually, the, the, the drums are going around the whole plaza. They're playing around people. Those are fans. And it's like, they're creating that front row lifestyle because they're so into it. Yeah. Which I just absolutely love. So thank you for sharing. That's, that's awesome. All right, let's finish with our final four. This has been a jam-packed episode. Number one here, what have you done to stand out in business and in life? I think it's taking an interest in people. Uh, you know, I think about when I was new in the speaking business and, you know, you go to these events where you're meeting potential clients and, you know, a lot of people are pushing their marketing on somebody. Like, here's what I can do for you. Like, here's why I'm awesome. And here's why you should pick me. And I think that one of the things I try to do in life is to be interested in people, to be a good listener. Um, so I think that one of the ways I'm trying to stand out is by really, um, being quiet in some ways mm. to really hear the sounds of what people need and want. I would say add value, you know, be a servant, uh, to show up and, and be an owner of something, right? We talk about that all the time here where it's like I, for years in the charity, people would say, I want to get involved. And I said, here's the game, insert yourself, <laughs> right? Like f- find a problem and then try to help us fix it like jump in and add value. The people that have become part of our teams are the ones that boldly step into a role where they just do something to add value to others, uh, to our organization or to the world. And when you show up in that way of adding value, not waiting around for somebody to tell you what to do, but just do something that helps another person or helps an organization or a company, that's, that's, a, that's the way to get promoted. That's a way to get noticed is by being a moment maker. Mm, I love it. And you talk about the front row acronym, you know, owning the moment and just owning it. I think that is, that is so key. All right, final two here. What's the best advice you've ever received? The best advice? No, I'll go back to my dad for this one. Mm. This is fresh in my mind. I just spent time with him and he said, you know, he talks about why he believes that we're here. And he, he really believes uh, for his life, a guiding principle is to just help people. Like he talked about, hey, I, the reason I think I'm here is just to, you know, to help other people along the way. It's as simple as that for him. So I think some of the best advice that I've ever received in my life, it, it, it's not flashy, it's not sexy, and it's not going to be quoted probably, but, but it's true. And that is to be a great person, like to be a great person to other people. Uh, when I think about all the mistakes I've made, um, all the wrong turns, um, you know, the discoveries that I've made in my life, that, that the thing that kind of has carried me through uh, and, and the, the great, great wisdom, wisdom is always, always about relationships. relationships. So the best advice is to treat people well and that no matter what ends up happening, you know, you create enough social equity, you pour in, 
And our front row dads, I'm often able to say, um, and, and I don't think this is really a curse word, but or I'll, I'll, I won't make it a curse word. I curse when I say it to the dads, but I'll keep this PG, <laughs> is that when you're kicking butt in life, you pour into other people. You, mm-hmm. you share your wisdom when you're kicking butt, right? You pour in. Because when you're getting your butt kicked, <laughs> it's good to have social equity mm-hmm. where people are standing by um, because you've poured into them so many times where, you know, that uh, showing up for you would be easy. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like at the end of my life, I hope that if somebody's keeping score, um, you know, that uh, on who did the other one more favors that's the game I'm trying to win. Mm-hmm. I want to pay for more dinners, do more favors. I don't want it to be equal. I want to. I don't want to get more than my share. I want to give more than my share. Sure. Okay. That's a great segue to the final question here. How do you want to be remembered? Uh, I want to be remembered as somebody that was kind, um, that was thoughtful, uh, and that uh, you know showed up for people every day. And that's that's it. I just I hope people are like when they you know. If, if, if somebody comes to my funeral, <laughs> uh, I hope it's a celebration of life, and I hope that what they say is, I hope they say, you know, a John, he was, he was a good person, and that's all I want. You know? Well, believe me, there'll be at least nine people with tattoos at that funeral <laughs> celebrated. Uh, no, but but John, seriously, you know, thank you for showing up today on the front row. I mean, amazing conversation. Absolutely love what you're doing. I got to show you a picture of, of the book that I have, your front row. Every, almost every single page is earmarked. And my staff made fun of me. They're like, Jesse, if every page is earmarked, what's the purpose? And I go, well, there's something good on every page. And they're like, well, just read the book again. I go, I'll get to that. But uh, seriously, <laughs> what, what you delivered, and we do book reports with our staff. Uh, we actually have Better Book Club where we pay our people to read. And, um, you, know, I have a, you know, we do book reports on it. And I'll tell you, uh, you, it's amazing what you have built, what you're building and how you're helping people develop and grow in every day. So thank you so much for being on the show. And, you know, really, you've got so much going on, but where can people find out more about you and what you're doing? The hub for everything is frontrowfactor.com. Beautiful. So you can get everything from there. We've got the Front Row Factor podcast, the Front Row Dads podcast. The book is available on Amazon, all that jazz. But uh, if you want the, the main hub, it's frontrowfactor.com. Beautiful. Well, everyone jump in, own it, and you deliver these moments that they're talking about today. John, thanks again for being on the show. Thanks, buddy. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Business Done Differently. Our goal is simple, to inspire you to think different, have fun, and stand out in business and in life. For more ways you can stand out in your business, visit findyouryellowtux.com and you can get the Yellow Tux Handbook for free with the six steps to stand out directly from the Find Your Yellow Tux book. Finally, a big shout out to Podcast Pilot for producing the show and making all the magic happen. For questions, ideas, and feedback, I'd love to hear from you. So shoot a note to jesse at findyouryellowtux.com. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out. Thank you.